So does that count? Are we, are we beginning the episode? <laughs> sure. Do it. Hello, oh. everybody. Do you hear another voice? Do you have a new guest star on the show that's never been on before? How will the listeners ever know who it is? Maybe this is a first for 2014. No. Is it? It can't be. No. It could be. No, it, it hasn't be. been that long. It's it been, come be. on, guys. It's been like a week. It's been a week in showtime, if you add the hours together. <laughs> True. How is everybody on this fateful Monday morning where the four of us are brought together yet once we again? We are fantastic because we are here. Yay, yeah. I'm excited. Selena speaks for all of us. Yeah. We are fantastic. I, I we, we gave her a, a breakdown before we started. Could you tell everyone that we're fantastic? We're fantastic, yeah, yeah. If you'd like, there's an optional Fantastic Four joke you could also add if you want. But I think mm-hmm. she opted out of that one. I'm just saying we'll in that it. scenario, I would be the human torch. Well, we finished Dunkin' Egg on Saturday. I hope that you all have brought your homework following. We're now doing our chapter test on everything that we've learned. I'm ready for it, guys. <laughs> all right. So what is Egg's real identity, everybody? And go. No. Egg on Targaryen. Oh, see? Yes. Selena oh. knows. He's one of the... She's listened. That's how she knows. <laughs> After it was truly like first revealed that his name was Aegon, I'm like, oh, my God, this unassuming little kid who's really like uh what's what's the word really um excited about life becomes like Aegon the Conqueror this terrible dictator mm, um, oh. and Micah was like I don't think that's who that is dude and I was like nope. but his name is Aegon and he's a Targaryen and Micah was like dude there's five of those and I was like oh and then I looked at the uh, appendices after uh Clash of Kings and I saw that he was right and he just finished reading it now he's back at us it took us a long time but we're finally through the appendices <laughs> <laughs> the Targaryens have a very bad problem of uh naming their children they can't seem to be very creative they just but i think that's a thing though right just in general history the problem is that targaryens we know uh or lannisters some of these families sleep with their brothers and sisters too so Mm -hmm. there's uh not only is there a uh, inbreeding of names there's an inbreeding of genes and so they probably all look quite alike so what we talk about confusing at like Targaryen family reunions. Can you imagine? It's a sitcom waiting to happen. All the Aegons sit at one table. Please just call me Egg. That's much easier actually, to remember. It's actually the easiest way to figure out tables. So you ask the question, what are we talking about today? And I, I'm just happy to have my partner in crime back here because I've, I've been flying solo a little bit. Um, flying being, solo. Being sullied and you know having oh. to dance around. Dragons. Dragons. <laughs> yes. You, you guys. Yes, Eric and Zach, you are now both dragons uh, wonderful and i like uh, that and we're dead we wanted to do kind of a, a a bit more of a news roundup i think on this monday episode that's great because i have no idea what's going on <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're catch, catch you, up. you up we're gonna catch yeah, the thanks. listeners up but we are uh, fully aware of the fact that a new trailer did air last night and we were talking about that on wednesday's episode um, but until then we did get from hbo a full season summary as well as the summaries for the first four episodes of season four. Uh, we talked about the titles uh, a couple episodes ago, uh, but now we have summaries to go along with that. And I'm happy that Selena is here so that we can torture uh, the two of you um, a bit more than <laughs> yes. I've Wonderful. been allowed to um, over these um, the last uh, few episodes. So, Encouraged by the red wedding slaughter in the Riverlands that wiped out many of their stark nemeses, the Lannisters' Ooh. hold on the Iron Throne remains intact. But can they survive their own egos as well as new and ongoing threats from the south, north, and east? 
Quinnuddles. <gasps> While an unboat Stannis Baratheon continues to rebuild his army in Dragonstone, a more immediate danger comes from the south as O'Baron Martell, the Lannister-loathing Red Viper of Dorne, arrives at King's Landing to attend Joffrey's wedding to Marguerite Jarrell. The sentence is really long. And perhaps <sighs> act on an ulterior agenda. In the north, a depleted Night's Watch seems overmarched against overmatched against the inexorable <laughs> wall advances of man's raider's army of wildlings which in turn is being trailed by an even more formidable foe the undead white walkers <laughs> as if that weren't enough daenerys targaryen <laughs> accompanied by her menacing trio of dragons and an army of unsullied is poised to liberate marine Mirene? the largest city in slaver's bay which could ultimately prove her with enough shift to sail to Westeros and reclaim the Iron Throne. So much to look forward to. End so of, much. you know, really long sentence. <laughs> it sounds like everybody... Yeah, that's all one sentence. Very nice. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a sentence I would uh, submit to a teacher or professor and they would send it back saying too many commas. Oh. That's a typical David Foster Wallace sentence if you've ever read his books. <laughs> it just keeps going. But can they survive their zone? He goes as well as new ongoing test from the south, north, and east. Forget the West. Yeah. But there's so much going on, though. Like, in it, Game of Thrones, there's like a million storylines, you know? It makes sense. We were led to believe that season three was the season. This is the season, they said. Hmm. Um, but it seems like now everybody's storyline is really taking off. There's the yeah. stuff north of the wall. They're not just venturing anymore, but actual stuff is happening at the wall. Every time a big thing happens, like a really big thing, you know, it, it changes the game and <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Eric, yeah. are you okay? Or oh, who was yeah. that? I didn't know who it was. I knew it wasn't know. me. I'm okay. Me. Everybody is, all right? Is it still... Are you guys hear me? Unbowed and bowed. Okay? Yes, we can hear are you. Are fine? Sorry, like a big uh, thing happens. <laughs> kiss your microphone. Some of these wildlings have projectiles, and it's not just them, but the, the white walkers Ooh. behind them. It's just... I'm uh, Sorry, I'm on the wall right now. I'm climbing as we speak. Well, oh, good. wow. It sounds like you fell <laughs> off the wall. We uh, got to see... A Mr. Brian Cogman rejoined Twitter recently, um, co-producer oh, yes. and writer on the show, who we've had on our show before. And uh, to a storm of tweets and retweets, uh, I've deciphered through his newsfeed enough just now to see that he hashtagged this as the biggest season yet. So I think maybe you're right. <laughs> and Brian Cogman does not lie. So there. They're only Brian bigger and bigger and bigger. Is bigger. Yes. yes. He's a big liar. Exactly. Yeah, he's still not allowed internet privileges, but one day we'll learn his true identity. But it's true, like now, like you were saying, like the storylines are taking off, you know, with with uh, the Red Wedding happening. I mean, Rob is, is out of the game completely, and so is all his men, so it's left a big void. And that's why I think you say all the storylines are taking off, because the power is really shifting now. What's interesting to me is, and, and we talked about this kind of towards the end of season three, is the Lannisters, their hold on the Iron Throne, as the summary notes, it's intact, but they have to really battle themselves in addition to all these threats like Stannis, like potentially yeah. Oberyn Martell um, and others. Um, you know, Rob has lost his life uh, and, and Catelyn is dead as well, but certainly they're going to be remains um of his men those that supported the starks and and have you know loyalties to them that are going to look to avenge we don't know necessarily how that's all going to materialize but certainly uh you know the lannisters are are the, have been 
the champions, really, these last couple of seasons, right, with Blackwater, with the Red Wedding. But you almost have this sense that in George's world, that doesn't hold for very long. Yeah, exactly. And they've held a monopoly for a long time now, the Lannisters. I just wonder, though, with, with the entire northern border of the realm being breached by not just wildlings, but White Walkers, and over east you have three dragons... I like the only issue that the South at King's Landing seems to be facing right now is Oberyn Martell, one guy, a red viper who comes to court to settle maybe an old grudge or something. So it's like I want to contrast during this season, figure out how dangerous really the red viper is compared to and weigh him against all these other threats. We're going to see what we've seen before, which is sort of this idealistic, fake non-concern that's actually happening. I mean, Unlike the second season, unlike the beginning part of Clash where we had to deal with Blackwater and the surrounding things that came from that, this is now, like you said, something that seems a little bit more lighter with such a bigger threat looming off in the distance. But we know that at the end of the last season, at least one of our people that are vying for the throne has gotten true word of what's happening north of the wall and maybe taking it seriously. So if King's Landing isn't quite focused on it yet and they're still dealing with the new wedding that's approaching, I don't think it's going to be a season-long concern of theirs. I think that maybe we'll see this is the season where they slowly turn their eyes toward what's happening outside of just themselves, if the other people are at least. Yeah, Mm. It's an expansion of the world, though, too. I mean, it's, you know, in even reading... um, the the hedge knight right we got to see that it's not just the starks and the lannisters and the targaryens there's there's more and you know stannis has kind of been on the side robert was a character for only one book and renly i mean he was in game of thrones but even his time in clash of kings was short-lived so the baratheons haven't been a focus but i think the world really starts to open up now as you're adding another family you added the tyrells last year really um and and now you're adding the Martells um, to the mix and Dorne becomes um, a city that, you know, will be a focal point moving forward. So which I'm so excited about. Yeah, I, I cannot wait for this. Is, isn't Marcella in Dorne? Yeah, mm-hmm. she is. I feel like this has been coming for so long, though, because even back during the first season when I was talking about Game of Thrones with my solid friends, they would always say, like, I'm thinking of Ian up in Chicago. He would always say, like, we're, like, what's your favorite family? And this was back during season one when <laughs> the families were used graphically online like they were Hogwarts houses. And that's kind of how HBO promoted it. They don't really do that anymore, but that's kind of how it felt. So a popular question back then was, hey, what's your favorite family from the show? And you would sort of share your opinions. But your Sully friends would say interesting things like this, which is, oh, the Martells. You'll learn about them later. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we're getting at least to that point where a lot of people were so excited back in the day for me yeah it's true it it definitely i mean and you know really though for all of us in watching the show the underlying battle has always been between the starks and the lannisters that's been the focal point no matter how many other families you brought in but i think now with the starks really all but gone yeah they're depleted um (laughs) you know really the young uh kids and john are the only ones who are remaining and you know they have their own story arcs to follow that are not really tied maybe with the exception of Sansa to the Lannisters so you now are opening this world up to go into a number of of different directions and it's definitely exciting you know the Red Viper from reading the books um, even where we're at right now having finished a Clash of Kings we know who he is we know what his debt is that he's looking to repay uh, I don't know if we want to talk about it here but you know, it's it's definitely linked to the Lannisters, and it's right. going to be interesting to see 
how that plays out on screen um, in this season. Is this the transitional phase that we see where shows went through like Lost? I know a lot of people, both on Winter's Coming and in some of our social media feeds, have been talking about, and mainly on Winter's Coming with all this new news coming about sourcing uh, season four, that like shows like Lost, for example, see a dip through this sort of transitional part of the series where mm-hmm. it's in the middle and maybe the the ratings that have been there will stay there and maybe it, it'll level out some and then pick up toward the end where it gets a little bit more exciting like we're sort of seeing the resolution of all the problems we've set up a- am i right in thinking that maybe this is the place where martin tells the story a little better and takes our problem that we've been facing now and to the fourth season to different people in a much bigger scope where we keep Mm. wanting to know immediately where the resolution is? I think think yes and no, because I think the longer you come in the series, the more frustrated you can become with some of the things that just, that don't, that aren't resolved, but that just become a bigger thing. You know, you've already seen that happen in the show. Like you think something is going to have some kind of resolution and it doesn't. You think some people are going to meet, but they don't like Bran and John. (laughs) Um, They were so close. I know, exactly. And that that just is so frustrating. Um, Or like someone is is like really close to something and then they die. And, you know, it's... (laughs) But at the same time, I think that he introduces some really cool new characters that you really like. And he introduces some characters that I don't personally care about at all. So it's like a little bit... Good and bad. I think that now, though, is a season that people are really going to enjoy. What I'm more interested to see is how they take these next two books, really, because even though Feast for Crows and Dance with Dragons are two different books, they're really the same story from more or less a timing perspective. So uh, that might get to the point, Zach, where what you were talking about, it it feels a little bit drawn out. but what excites me about this season is you're getting payoff, hopefully with certain things that you know you saw develop even in season one, right? Who sent the mm-hmm. uh, cat's paw after Bran? Who killed John Aaron? These things but some of it should that have resolution matter anymore. Because right, like, at do- this point, even if you get a resolution like book four, at that point you don't care. Certain fans, right? They're gonna want to know. I-, I understand what you're saying. You're you're so far along in the plot now that does it really matter? But I think for some it might. I, I don't know. It- it's it's yeah. it's a hard argument to make. But you know, I think people are gonna want to know who killed John Aaron because that's the person that's ultimately responsible for setting so much of where we are right now into action in the first place. We couldn't get some resolution in season two because we were dealing with Blackwater. It's believable that in season three, with all of the falling action from Blackwater and them sort of rebuilding their stake of what's happening at King's Landing, that some things would get ignored. But now that we're going into the fourth season, I think that sullied and unsullied alike pretty much expect that something to do with resolution is going to happen at King's Landing this season. It's like, we really can't curtail it anymore. It's going to happen. And I think that from what we've seen with who's directing what and who is writing which episodes, we can kind of deduce when and how, not exactly how, but certainly when and where certain things are going to happen this season. And I would just add too, I mean, the fact that they're using uh, Valor Mogulis as the tagline for this season, all men must die. I think that that's a, hint right it's it's, Mm. nobody's safe 
That's yeah. th- if you were to translate that. If we didn't already know that. <laughs> is it wrong that I have some people in my family that are asking me about it because they know that I'm really into the show. They probably don't know that I do a podcast about it, but they they, they know that I'm into the show. And they're like, all men must die. Does that mean that they're going to kill all of the men in the show? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, and just say yes. Inherit the yeah, earth. let's do that and just have the women show, yeah. Brienne takes the Iron Throne because she's the strongest. But, I mean, I, I, I was wondering, actually, because it's funny, because we obviously, we, we've known since the beginning that no one is safe. And when Ned died, that was pretty much confirmed. But for you guys, is there any of the characters that, you know, barring what you may or may not know about Dance with Dragons, because, you know, you do know some things you can't help help knowing some things but are there any characters that you think are 100% safe until the end like just knowing what you know now the end of the season or the like the end the of the end series the end of the series like they oh, would gosh. not die until oh, no. like the last quarter no, of the last I don't book. I don't think it's I don't think it's uh I don't think George could let somebody survive from the very beginning to the very end he just can't do it so because because like having a heroic death like a really heroic death, one that actually matters. Not like Ned's death, which, you know, it's, yes, it was important for some reasons, but because of the chaos and all the steps he could have taken to prevent it, we just feel, like, sad about it. That's but the reason. A, a truly heroic death, a truly, like, hey, Tyrion just uh, strapped a bomb to his chest or, or took a, a bomb off somebody else's chest who has to go on to be the king and he's dead but now everything's at peace finally for the first time in 100 mm. years something like that is almost as good as keeping a character alive because their action reverberates through time but at the same time i mean i know that martin isn't he, he'll break the rules he'll do whatever the hell he wants but i think there is there needs to be some characters from the beginning alive at the end. Otherwise, I I probably won't care as much. I think there will be. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's smart because we will care a lot more if those people are there. Yeah. I think it's sort of unfair to go into it saying the fact that we know someone is alive in book five is a spoiler. I just think that that's so unfair mm-hmm. because I've, I've realized that this is a book where George writes – the real thing and sometimes bad things happen to people that we maybe be we maybe like or maybe we don't expect it to happen to them but at the end of the day there's five books out there's a tv show that's trying to catch up to the books and yeah i just i just don't see i don't think it's a very smart way to approach the show saying all right guys who do you think's gonna die this season because that's it's, i think it's trivializing the story and that's not what it's about don't you think that's kind of unfair though how it's just like yeah let's make I it agree. about deaths and not about what's happening i agree i think it's i think it's cheap I think, but it is a marketing thing. It's a cheap way to get people's excitement up, you know? Yeah, that's been a ploy on TV shows. Uh, I remember like 90210 or ER <laughs> used to have like these season finales where somebody would die. It's like, which yeah, of these lost, characters will you know? die? And the good thing. And then they're back in season one of, or yeah, sorry, episode yeah, yeah. one of the following season. Well, the things that uh, Game of Thrones has done is just kill everybody, <laughs> kill a lot of people per episode. And so. Uh, it doesn't really. They can't be cheap in that way, you know. It's 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 like if if somebody's death happens, it's because it was absolutely necessary to move the story forward. You're right. You see, that's a byproduct of the story, though. Uh, soldiers are dying in battle because that's what happens in hand to hand combat. Um, and number two, sometimes the people that are in the story in this world, at least, are going to kill other people to get ahead if that serves their purpose. So what we saw at the Red Wedding was part of what happens to propel the story forward. And I can. I can assume that these characters are going to be 
utilized where we don't miss the people that are gone, where we're still trudging forward and trying to find out what is happening with this great mystery. But say that out of all, like, seven or however many there were Stark children to begin with, say that only one of them was ever destined to be, like, the king of all or one of the most important characters. And we didn't know this, but it was, like, several years down the line, only one of them will be alive um, and will rule the kingdom. Like, it was important to start the story so far back to show how each of the siblings' contributions affected the greater realm. Um, but because they're not ultimately destined to be at the, the, the big, long banquet table at the, you know, set, at the seven years down the line, um, they are, you know, slowly, gradually being rubbed out. I think you're thinking of the awards ceremony at Naboo. They're not going to be there for that and all the music. <laughs> Honestly, I think that you're right, though. I think there's only one character, and maybe two, but that's because of, of, of non-story factors that are... I would be very surprised if they died. Other than that, I wouldn't be surprised by anyone dying. I'm not going to say who it is, just... Yeah, and not just the Starks. Any any family, really, not just the Starks. I mean, you get the feeling that Joffrey is going to get what's coming to him. You get the feeling that Cersei is going to get what's coming to her, which is her brother's warm, warmth and affection. Um, oh. <laughs> you, know, you get the feeling that Jamie is, is not going to... You know, so it, it's just any family, really, people don't last in this kind of world. So if you think about it, like, maybe from the movie at the end, once we have all the hindsight in the world, we'll be able to see, like, well, who really ended it up, you know, who who ended up surviving through all this and then which uh of the others that have died you know who was the most impactful and who had a heroic death and all that other stuff it's kind of interesting talking about this with uh micah and selena bolt here because obviously we're speculating about a story that they and a lot of you that are listening know about and Mm. and know what's going to be in season four because you've read forward and so your your mystery and quandary regarding this particular conversation is how will they piece it together and sort of what will they put into this um, considering what also is beyond it. Like what will they put into this and not season five? So when we're talking about it, I'm sort of just going to trust George and trust the showrunners where these anomalies like the Red Viper coming into the story are all good mechanics that are going to lead it forward. So we're waiting really patiently for season five again next year. It's going to be so interesting, though. Like Speaking of that, not to go too much off track. Yeah, I haven't been here for a while, guys. <laughs> you know, I have a lot to say. Um, but, I mean, the show is catching up to the book so much. And, and I, th- I really think they're going to keep condensing the story. So ah, I don't know how they're going to do it. Well, that could leave more detail for us in the show, which is never really a bad thing. True. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, just from what I'm hearing, too, from friends who've read, um, they seem to be borrowing storylines, brands, theons, all that stuff from future books. So it's like, well, what happens when they have to film future books? <laughs> the story's already <laughs> written. It's the big, I think it's the bigger question, but it, it extends beyond season four. It's like, what will happen in season five? Um, but season four is exciting, and I think that... Uh, Apart from an unbowed Stannis, which could go either way, um, him and Melisandre, like I think we, I think season four appears to be pretty clear cut, um, and so I'll be interested in see and Danny, who knows what the heck she'll get up to, disrupting economies and foreign lands, um, and getting a throne somehow based on the, the trailers, a really cool throne room. Um, <laughs> it seems like it'll be nonstop action. Uh, you yeah. know, and we talked about that before because episode two is going to be a big one, though it's the one that's written by George. So I, I just think, you know, the nonstop action, the pretty clear cut story is what I'm looking forward to most. Well, who wasn't it? Um, our good friend, uh, John Bradley, who said in a, in a recent interview that, you know, there might be four or five episodes of, of this season that could have that status of equating with episode nine. Yeah. I mean, of, wow. 
prior season. He said there's usually lots of chat and lots of setup and lots of expositions in episode one mm-hmm. and two that blossom mm-hmm. into fruition later on as the season reaches its action climax. But the action really does hit the ground running in this season. There's no easing into it. So I think that that's exciting. It is exciting. I'm so excited. Because you're building off of, of The Red Wedding. I mean, you're you're build. this is all really, in theory, one book. So it's it's not as if, like you're saying, you're easing into it. There, You've already eased into it at the start of last season. This is really mm. a continuation. So you've had more of like a 10-episode follow-up, you're saying. Uh, that's what I think. And I really think this is going to be... A, as you said, and it's going to be an action-packed season. It, there's so much that's going to happen, <laughs> and uh, I know Selena is probably looking forward to it too. Um, you know, seeing what the reaction is um, as as we move forward, because it's going to be good. So what you're saying is we saw the beginning of the Storm of Swords, but we're really about to see the Storm of Swords in season four. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you could lend us that much. Yeah, there's there's a lot um, that's going to happen, and I think a lot that's going to shock people. And, you know, the Red Wedding, I think, is really the – is always going to be the focal point of that book, and it's always going to be that wow moment that kind of stuns people. But I think that there are moments that follow that – that are really going to stun people and are going to have people talking and it's it's I want to see it on TV. That's all. Well, I'm not to say. mention we have two books to look forward to that are still yet to be released. So who knows if those moments can eclipse the Red Wedding by a thousandfold? I mean, it's Ooh. quite possible. Could. We shouldn't could. count any of those out yet. I don't know what that would mean uh, for the Starks. If something well, I mean, it doesn't their... necessarily have to be a big explosive killing of the characters that we like. It could yeah. just be something that is shocking. Because I mean, if anything, this breakdown gives us the perspective that none of these conclusions are going to be concluded lightly like these are all very serious people doing very serious things oh, yeah. and there's tremendous supernatural elements that haven't really had their day yet um i mean the dragons got to burn krasny's um one of them did anyway but we really haven't they, they haven't been fully grown like they are so far or like they yeah. will mm-hmm. be soon enough and the white walkers still they're still traveling it's interesting that you say that though too because there's this great interview um with sir barriston uh, where he that talks, was an excellent one, wasn't it? It was well. First he really of all, knows a lot. I was blown away. Yeah, exactly. I was blown away by how much he knows, like and how like how into it he is. Just it's a, it, what was it? Maybe about a ten minute interview with him. Yeah, it was about nine something. Yeah, yeah. But he just he, he just he's on point with everything he talks about. And but um, you you touched on these dragons, right? We don't know what's going to happen with them. I mean, there's going to reach a point where they're going to sort of take on a mind of their own, right? And and are they going to be able to be fully controlled or are they just going to do whatever they please? Um, that's something to contend with for Daenerys, who I, I feel like she doesn't always get the spotlight, but she's really one of the most important characters in the series because I feel yeah. like a lot of her, she doesn't get a lot of screen time and she didn't last season. I don't know if she will this season, but I feel like a lot of times she's an afterthought, and especially with everything that happened last season, and you know the Starks and the Lannisters always being center stage. Yeah, and but that's and it's such a shame because you're so right, and it's because she doesn't have anyone to interact with, like that are also main players. You know, she's not into she's not connected to anyone else's story, so they can't really cut to her that easily because it's like something is is happening at king's landing they talk about the wall oh you can go to the wall or you know <laughs> they talk about rob oh you can go to rob like it's all connected but because but the comment isn't connected to anybody yeah the <laughs> comment does have more of that you know it's just, yeah. there's no way to go to her 
Mm-hmm. Again, no, I, right. I think everybody knows though. Everybody knows that she's going to be a major player. Like even from season one, when they started focusing on this girl who wasn't even a horse lord, you know, or married to a horse lord at the time, she's sold to this guy. And we we went through her her whole story. She's just this little girl. You know, she grows to become the mother of dragons. She's the only one in the universe who has these dragons that we know of. Um, you know, we 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 know she's just a major player. But you're right. I mean, she does have limited screen time because if they focus too much on her, um, it would be little things like where are my dragons? Like you know, hop skipping and jump, like teaching teaching the dragons to count and speak. And I don't know what else it would be. You know, but she has a very clear path. It's just it is again one of those slow burning uh, paths, and when, when her path crosses with the King, King's Landing, I mean, I have no doubt she'll be everybody's favorite character. I think mm-hmm. it's smart though, because I mean, everything that you're saying is correct, dude. Right now, we're focused on the the soap opera aspect of the show, mm-hmm. where we're wondering what's mm-hmm. happening to these people in their private lives. I mean, Jamie's coming back to King's Landing, and that's going to be a big deal with Cersei. So I think everyone is looking forward to seeing how that's going to follow up. And in addition to talking to his son, like everyone's really excited about how all of these things are going to happen and how Tyrion's going to interact with his brother after he's been gone for so long. And after he's got this really striking haircut, mm. I mean, all of these are very important things for us to deal with, but yeah, at the end of the day, I think, I think this is sort of like the point I was trying to make before the stuff that's going on with the wall and the stuff that's going on with Daenerys out in the East. Um, this is probably going to be the big thing that people are like, oh, my God, in season six, because there's going to be so much devastation that's just going to make the Red Wedding look small, I think, really. Yeah, it's possible. Well, you could argue that the devastation of season four might make the Red Wedding look small by comparison. Oh. It probably will. I mean, I doubt that they would follow up the season with something worse. Yeah. I think that George wrote well, a great you have story to define that continues worse. to get better. You have to de- I mean, you're talking about one specific incident here, but – you know, you could have multiple incidences that could equate to the level of something like the Red Wedding. Um, Man, everybody's going to die. Well, I mean, yes and no. It doesn't no. have to be death, though. Like, yeah. You were pointing that out earlier. It could just be those wow moments that mm-hmm. you, maybe you weren't you weren't expecting. But I wanted to uh, – you know, Eric and I b- did an episode – was it earlier in the week, I think – or, or I should say last week at this point, um, where we went through the episode titles just looking at those – what are some of your thoughts? Well, I've been too afraid to read the descriptions. Selena, you've probably read them all. Yeah, no, I haven't read it. <laughs> She's reading them right now. No, there, there's no spoilerish right information there. I really like The Lion and the Rose. That's a good title. I, I love that. Tyrion lends Jamie a hand. Very nice. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, he needs one. Oh, what man. if Tyrion does the same thing, Eric? Uh, and I'm not going to talk to you, Selena Micah, because you already know. So what if Tyrion does the same thing, Eric, where he helps out Bran with his saddle? He helps out Jamie with his hand. Maybe that's what mm. that means. Tyrion lends Jamie a hand. Yeah, it gives him like a wicker hand or something. We know well, it was, gets... we saw the metal one in the trailer. I don't yeah, know if the it was metal wicker. one. Maybe, I think Lord Voldemort gives him that one, the silver mm. hand. The flammable I mean, in, one. in the next one, it does say Tyrion ponders his options, so you might be onto something. Well, let's see if uh, let's see if these um, each individual's episode summary gives away some of the excitement that is to be had with these episodes. As you were saying, Micah, all these big moments that are happening. The first one, it looks like two swords appears not to be about Micah and I on a field facing off against White Walkers, as we speculated. <laughs> I remember that. That was very. <laughs> uh, I was it, chuckling. Yeah, it says uh, Tyrion. Welcomes a guest to King's Landing. We know who that is. At Castle Black, Jon Snow finds himself unwelcome. Oh, good. Little payoff there. Danny, Amelia Clark, is pointed to Maureen, the mother of all slave cities. 
and Arya runs into an old friend. Okay, guys, who is this old friend that Arya is going to run into? The cat. It's from King Micah. Is the cat? <laughs> zombie Micah. Oh, yeah, zombie Micah. He's returning <laughs> as a White Walker. I want it to be either Cereal Pharrell, who we don't have a body, so long live Cereal Pharrell, or uh, Jack and Hagar, because I really want to see that guy again. I have to show you guys something. Okay. Because you just mentioned Micah. HBO has recently been tweeting an artist's rendition of some epic deaths in Game of Thrones. It's by Robert M. Ball on Twitter, and it's called the Hashtag Beautiful Deaths Series. Anyway, you were just talking about uh, Zombie Micah, and he released one called The Butcher's Boy. And I'm I'm just going to link this in Skype. Look at this epic portrayal of the Butcher Boy's death and, like, how exactly he died. It's not just the most foreboding thing. He ran not very fast. Look at him running into the mouth of the hound. Oh, is man. that terrifying or what, Micah? Poor Micah. But I don't know that the Hound would be breathing fire since he's somewhat afraid well, of this it. This is this is actually the Cave of Wonders from Aladdin. Oh, is it? Okay. Micah's going down to get the lamp. Remember and, uh, who you are. <laughs> wish himself the diamond Uh-oh. in the rope. <laughs> um, That's th- yeah. that reminds me of that a lot. Um, I I think it's important though that Jon Snow finds himself to be a bit unwelcome. Uh, at Castle Black, uh, and you know, we discussed a little bit of this. Um, you know, he has broken his vows for all intents and purposes. He's killed Corrin Halfhand, and he has, for a period of time, joined up with Mance Raider and his band of wildlings. Uh, we know at the end of last season he escapes, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he's welcomed back um, by all of his brothers. Uh, we know, I'm sure, that Sam will certainly be by his side, but um, I'm thinking more along the lines of Eliza Thorne um, mm. and even a, a friendly um, Janice Slint. And I say friendly very sarcastically. We know Janice Slint <laughs> was sent up to the wall uh, mm-hmm. by Tyrion Lannister uh, in season two. And we also know that Janice Slint uh, was somebody who was responsible uh, more or less for the death of Ned Stark. Uh, so oh, a very good chance that the two of them, two of them being Thorn and Slint, uh, will be best of friends. And that spells nothing but trouble uh, for Jon Snow. Well, that's the real problem is there were people who didn't like Jon before. And now that Old Bear is gone, he can't protect Jon. And people did go Old Bear. That's like the one thing Jon has going for him. Yeah, he killed the Half-Hand, but it was part of a, a plan. <laughs> Somebody else entirely killed Old Bear. So maybe that'll be the the reason that they let him back in. But uh, I think people will be, as it relates to that title, um, I think people will be frustrated by uh, things that take place, enraged possibly, depending on how you feel wow. about it. Wow. Uh, and then possibly a little bit happy for another sword. But are you explaining the steps of grieving? Is that yeah, what's pretty much, pretty much. Uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard to dance around uh, dragons. 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 Yes. <laughs> That's what we're going to call um, you two from now on. And just the general, I don't um, know if Bono is going to be happy about that. Difficulty of, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it <just> keeps going. <laughs> uh, but how about the line of the rose? Let's move on. Um, obviously referring to two different families, we know a wedding is coming, uh, or breakfast, <laughs> brunch. Yes, Tyrion lends Jamie a hand. <laughs> Joffrey and Marjorie host a breakfast at Dragonstone. Yay! Stannis loses patience with Davos. Oh no, not again. What's he going to do with Roman jail? Ramsay <gasps> finds a purpose for his pet. Oh. 
north of the wall, Bran sees where they must go. Mm. So essentially we're seeing more of a payoff of what happened in the first episode, but also seeing more of the things that we would want to have seen in the first episode coming right. in the second episode. This feels like a spillover, like everybody who didn't get to be like addressed and caught up. I think episode twos have done that before, um, where it's like if somebody won't be featured in the first episode, they'll be – They'll have more screen time in the second one. Well, surely they'll still be in the first one, but maybe they won't have as big of a role. Right, right. right. It's such a generic description for something written by George R. R. Martin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they got to be smart with this. Well, yeah, which should only let you believe that there is so much more that's going to happen in this episode. Well, I'm just happy that it appears we'll be seeing Theon, we'll, we'll be seeing Bran, and uh, Stannis, and, uh, and Jamie. It just promises who we'll see, but it says very little, as you said. Hmm. Okay, uh, Tyrion ponders his options. Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about um, this uh, a few episodes back. You know, we talked about the literal breaking of chains. Um, we know from the season description that Danny is looking to free yet again more people. Um, oh, doesn't always true. have the intention that she's looking to have. Um, <laughs> we know that um, Tyrion himself uh, has been seen in previews in chains. And um, we talked a little bit about Sansa too, right? Um, you know, she has been captive of the Lannisters for quite some time, and we've seen her in previews in what looks to be much, much different locations. So um, a lot of speculation there about who that uh, episode title could refer to. And, you know, those episode titles do have a tendency to really focus on a number of different things. They always have double, triple meanings. It's not usually just one particular storyline. I was thinking that two swords could be referring to both John returning to the wall and both Jamie returning to King's Landing. Yeah. That might be a little too elementary, but it might work. I think I like it. But the fourth one is always the, is like the very vaguest title Oathkeeper. Well, reading Jamie Tass Brienne with his honor makes me think of the oath they took to each other about returning the kids once they made it back to King's Landing. That's true. That's a really good point. Actually. I didn't think about that. And then John securing volunteers. Maybe he's just still keeping his oath as staying as a man of the night's watch. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, maybe Hodor is keeping his oath, uh, with old Nan by keeping Bran protected. Good old man. And finding shelter. <laughs> he promised that as well. I can't wait for the episode description that says what uh, Rickon and Asha are up to. <laughs> oh, that's so true. <laughs> Rickon and Asha have a decision season. to be made. <laughs> Rickon and Asha hunt for squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile. the new way, boy. <laughs> so uh, if anybody um, has some other thoughts that they'd like to uh, share with us about these episode titles, episode summary, season four summary definitely hit us up you can do so in a number of different ways and you can also let us know uh what you thought about that trailer last night and uh we will share all of that uh, on our wednesday episode we do have some uh feedback that we got on twitter twitter.com slash game of owns on the uh the character posters which is all tied into this uh big marketing campaign for the release of season four those are cool i like that they're black and white which is your favorite Um... are they all your favorite I, I don't I don't know I, I haven't looked at them enough to have a favorite what's your guys' favorite I think I like Daenerys's but I guess that's no surprise we, sh- we can also talk about why Stannis doesn't have one I like that O'Baron has one <laughs> yeah Stannis doesn't but Melisandre does that makes me think that she's the leading Jamie's leading, is beautiful <laughs> oh. John just looks the same 
every season just the same yeah i think my favorite is broke don't fix it all right my fa- <laughs> my favorite is jamie's and sansa's and um and egret's i think they're the nicest selena i wanted your opinion on this uh in this post on winter is coming Bran and Arya's posters are next to each other, and they look so alike. Yeah, it's true. They could be the same person. But it's so funny because, I mean, she hasn't, Macy Williams hasn't really, like, she doesn't look that different, but Bran, like, Isaac Hempstead, right, his, that kid has changed so much. Like, I know kids change when they grow, but he's just (laughs) like, if you see him in season one and see him now, he's just like two different people. Uh, And then, of course, the mountain is two different people. (laughs) It's three different people. (laughs) Yeah, the posters are good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they're all right. To sum up. I thought I I was hanging on. I thought I was hanging. I thought I had a a tweet that would lead me right into. There are plenty of them. I didn't, though. I didn't. I do think it's a bit questionable that Stannis doesn't have a poster. I don't really understand that decision. Yeah. Kevin Bloomfield on Twitter agrees with you. He, he says, freaking Dari- Dario. Like Theon, Theon doesn't have a poster either. Oh, now, you, now you know how to Did just Did you get not notice that, Eric? He says, freaking Dario gets a poster and not Stannis. That's all I have. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you, Kevin. That's, I mean, it's not like it's a deal breaker or anything, but it just seems questionable that Dario or Melisandre would get a poster and not Stannis because, I mean, he's in the first episode description, after all. Mm. And Dario's been recast. Maybe um, that's right. why he needs a poster. Right. That was and okay. Tormund, so let's re- let's say they were using the poster as an opportunity to reestablish his character. That's yeah, fine. I that's still fine. don't see why that leaves Stannis out because I mean, after all, this there's is just a, lot a screenshot of, main characters. of their footage. I mean, I would say that um, oh, what's his face, Stannis's advisor. I, that was I would say he's more of a at least for me, he's more of a main character than Stannis is because he has he has the in the books he's the one who has the, right. the central the, the the character the point of view chapters, and he doesn't have a poster either. Like you would think that the main that aggressor have... in Blackwater would have his own poster right. still, though. Yeah, yeah and even and even Davos, like you said, because he's the guy in the book who has the point of view chapter. So even if they degradate it down to, okay, let's just have his king have, have a character poster, I'm not sure what this means. Whether or not like they couldn't find a, a really good shot that was high resolution enough to push for the poster, or <laughs> you know, if it was more of a devious decision than that. Sam no didn't idea. get a poster. No. That's true. Well, you know, they have uh, one for Baelish, and uh, it looks like they they took him out of the uh, green screen. Varys doesn't before. have a poster. Varys. Oh, gosh. Tragedy. You know, it's, I think the show ran out of money, guys. It's just, we, know how, <laughs> we know how many cast members, we know how many action sequences they're having in the series. You joked about the mountain before, but, I mean, he's been, um, you know, he's been highly uh, publicized, at least, um, you know, it, it, it seems like, over the last couple of months, and we don't see him at all. Um, on any of these posters. True. Alex Tepp on Twitter says, Tywin Lannister poster is the best. He is my favorite character. That is all. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, people have favorites, and it's nice to see your favorite represented here. Sorry if your favorite was Stannis. <laughs> or yeah. the, the um... Maybe if they just took the Melisandre poster and zoomed out to show her <laughs> little finger, they would see Stannis wrapped around it. <laughs> <laughs> so Tori Targaryen. That's funny. Uh, on Twitter, said the Red Viper and his smirking smugness wins the poster wars for me. Can't wait to see him in action finally. Whatever that means, Tori. Mm-hmm. Yes, whatever that means. And we also got uh, some other tweets about um, just random things we've talked about or just things that listeners felt uh, they wanted to send in and share with us. On that list is Brittany Black, who says, Just finished this for my Targaryen-themed bathroom. For my future apartment, it is a, I guess, a throw rug or a bath mat, a bath rug, with a three-headed dragon on it. Check this mm-hmm. out, guys. This cool. is fairly impressive. 
Targaryen themed bathroom. I, just, I don't. Brittany, know I to love think. to think about fire and blood when I use the bathroom <laughs> for showers and cleaning my teeth. Do you think she's like trying to to do like one of those houses where they have like fandom themed every room, like a, a Gryffindor common room and like a <sighs> I don't know. We can only hope. Doctor Who room. Yeah. <laughs> I wish this upon all of our listeners. Please live in live in fantasy. It's more fun that way. <laughs> yes. And then invite us over. Yeah, yeah. Brittany, please. I'd sure. love to eat scones in your bathroom. Yeah. Please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, we have another one. Uh, oh, oh, Phyllis Ashley has has added to a, a long history of uh, what has been sort of scouting for uh, cute the cutest pictures of our of our sigil uh, animals, which are camels. Um, and Phyllis has sent in this photo of a baby Bactrian camel. Actually, looks so like a cute. shark balls. No, um, it's what? so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Not going. You lie. look like that. <laughs> yeah, the you photo, do. Photo, a furry cut. No, we do appreciate it. You know, we talk about death and swords and destruction and blood and fire and all men must die. Um, but who doesn't like a nice, cute animal picture? <sighs> Wouldn't it be yeah. great if that was Micah's baby picture? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say if I if I actually owned that camel. And... Well, that would be probably cooler. That would be honestly. cooler, yeah. Yeah, I like that situation. If one of us don't get a pet camel by the end of all this, there's going to be a serious that's problem a mis- somewhere. That's a problem, yeah. That's a mistake. Yeah. I thought uh, this was really cool from Ryan Shepard. Um, talking about our 200th episode, he says 8,574 minutes of content. That's 142 hours, 54 minutes. 74 minutes. minutes Holy crap. How do you measure a goo in the life? Talk yeah. about Nearly oh. six 24-hour days. <laughs> for this, we all appreciate you. So thank oh. you, Ryan, for... Figuring that out. Measuring owns. Is it wrong that I'm doing the, du- the doubling <laughs> math for editing it? Own. Oh, yeah. God, God only knows. <laughs> Ryan, you need to recalculate for uh, Zach. <laughs> he just times every episode by four. In podcasts, and Mondays, and Wednesdays, Fridays. Right. Um, we have some responses that were direct responses to things we said in previous episodes, uh, beginning with Susan Stacy. Uh, who replies uh, to Eric regarding Jamie's hair being too modern. That's you. Didn't mm. the Roman soldiers wear short hair? What about Tywin and Joffrey's short hair? Yeah, yes, Eric. maybe the Romans Maybe the Romans wore shorter hair, but it looked better on them than it does on Jamie. Oh, no, you didn't. Can, can I, I did, take... Uh, I did. I'll argue for your defense in this situation, Eric. Thank you. I think what Eric was meaning when he said that was that it looked so fresh and, like, 2014 stylish. It just looks that too that would good. Be, yeah, that it, that would be a haircut that someone would have now, and they'd be like, hey, look at my hair. It looks cute. But I think that it's also unfair to say, oh, it's a modern haircut because he's clean and it's cut well. Because I think if anyone's going to have a great haircut, it's going to be Jamie Lannister. Yeah, and honestly, he's had a good one so far. They need him to look good because they – I mean, this is so shallow, but they need people to like him. And even, like, we love him now, but still he's done horrible things, and I just think they need him to look really good for people to – feel sympathetic to him he he needs to look modern he needs to look relatable i think it has more to do just with where he was coming from i mean remember him returning to king's landing the situation that he was in prior to that i mean it wasn't exactly like he was staying at a five-star hotel i mean he was in pretty bad condition Mm. so maybe that 
getting a haircut was just part of the, uh, you know, he he was thrown into shit. He was drinking piss. I mean, I'm just thinking there's there's short hair and then there's little little, right. little too short hair. Here's the season one photo of Jamie. Okay, but if you look at Tyrion too from season one, um, yeah. he looks. He just looks different. like the guy from Shrek, though. Farquaad, <laughs> that guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a direct. Almost identical comparison. Um, and then uh, we also heard from Caleb Graves. Uh, we mentioned Alex Graves on a few episodes back. Caleb's uncle. And uh, he said, sadly, Game of Owns, I'm not related to Alex Graves, but man, do I wish I was. You we might to... be, dude. Look it up. We wanted to get in a few um, pieces of feedback from our reading of The Hedge Knight, um, Duncan Egg, the first in the series. And uh, we got uh, Jasmine, who wrote into us on Facebook, that gave us four. Four owns. Four not just owns. one. Four. Wow. One for each part. I don't see why not. We did four episodes about it, right? What did Jasmine say? Well, she says, number one, earlier in the story from Tanzel, quote, all men are fools and all men are knights. I like that. Should we each take one, since there are four? Let's take one, yeah. You do the second one. All right. Uh, to Prince Baylor for when he declared that he would side with Dunk over his own family, this man protected the weak, as every true knight must. Okay. Number three, she says, when Sir Raymond changed his sigil to the green apple, better green the worm, eh? <laughs> I'll take the fourth one, even though I have no idea what's happening. Um, yeah, please, and I know <laughs> this may be mean, but can I give an own to Darren's horse? Of all the things the horse could have stepped on, it ended up being his owner's foot. <gasps> Spoilers! I laughed for a couple of minutes. <laughs> Me too. Oh, I laughed so heartily. She loved that, that part. part. Yeah, I did. This is my, actually my favorite part. We also got some owns on Twitter. Uh, good moment of karma for Daron there. And uh, owns that we got on Twitter for the Hedge Knight include that of the one by John or Johan Spore. 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 It's a party. Um, it's a soiree with Spore. <laughs> my own for Hedge Knight goes to Shireen. Who in episode 305, I guess of the show, spoiled Egg's reveal when she taught Davos that Aegon is pronounced Egg-on. I caught that. I can't believe that's in the show. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Kevin Lysander also tweeted, I loved the Hedge Knight. Dunk was a badass at the end, and it was interesting to see Egg and his family just go with his plan. I like that tweet, Kevin. I would mm. agree with you completely. I do like Head that tweet. Too. I like a lot of the tweets that we get, a lot of the communications that we receive from you guys. Let us take a moment now to remind you what those methods of communication between you and us can be. Yes, indeed, Eric. We have two things approaching us. We have the Politics and Power special airing on Tuesday evening. We also have the new trailer that aired last night. We will be speaking about both of those things on the following episode. Until then, all of your thoughts and calculative reasonings can be pointed toward us at this place, twitter.com slash owns. It's like that place on the internet where we use a Twitter account. It's right there. Also, we were talking about some things from Facebook. That's also another place on the internet that we also use as a username and portal to talk to you guys. That's at facebook.com slash Game of Owns. And as far as the email address is concerned, that's where people write books to us, and we publish them later on in an anthology of cool things that have been written to us in email form. That is at contact at gameofowns.com.com.com.com. Dot com, dot com, dot com. You can also leave us your feedback on iTunes. Just head on over there. Uh, it is the month of March, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Uh, as mentioned, weird things happen to your computer if you try and select anything less than five. Um, but uh, we do go through and read your reviews on the show. We'll do that uh, on Wednesday's episode. 
and uh, share your thoughts uh, with uh, everybody else, and we'll let you know if we agree with them or not. Don't forget to browse on the internet. A couple of websites of note that you may be interested in. com is a place where Selena makes writings. She scrawls. They appear on the internet and people read them. It's not just for Game of Thrones. I know that a lot of you are, are uh, concernicus on a particular subject that you listen to this podcast of, so I completely get that. So if you're more vocal-minded on one thing, you can go to winnerscoming.net and join all of the very excited commenters and all the very exciting things that are happening as Season 4 approaches. We got like a, a mixtape. There's like a rap album coming out for Season 4. People People are naming their songs Queen of the Dragon Slayers. And we've got what we've got a rap song named Aria's Prayer. Like That's who would have expected so awesome. that last week? It's called Aria's Prayer. That's cool. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I have, right? I have uh, ceased to cease to be skeptical over anything that the Internet can provide after just hearing a three minute song of uh, Jeff Goldblum's character Malcolm in Jurassic Park's laugh, his crazy laugh. They took it. From one scene where he says, you guys look up uh, research dinosaurs, <laughs> and they turned that into a three-minute song uh, on the internet. So ever since then, yeah, Arya's Prayer, probably more sub- substance in that one. Uh, well, this is an official release from HBO. This is an actual Game of Thrones oh, mixtape. Well, yeah, that's it's even called cooler. Catch the Throne, and it's legit. It's got real artists on there making art, so... That's just a good example of things that people get up to as season four approaches the way it does. I'm looking forward to discussing this um, special on Tuesday night and then also that trailer, man. That trailer was awesome. Oh, yeah. It was great. <laughs> Insert thing that happened here. Yes. Lots of new content that we hadn't yes. seen before. Did you or see that so shot much. of that? Yeah, yeah. I know. That one was perfect. It came right after that other one. Yeah. Yeah, where he did, mm. and I couldn't. Yeah. Man, it was just one shot after another for two minutes. So look forward to that, people. That was Selena Wilkin. That was Zach Louie. That was Eric Skull. And that was Mike Katanenbaum. We'll see everybody on Hump Day. Yeah. Hump Day. Do it. the best Double way to find shelter. shelter that seems to be like a big like a you just trip trip over a tent like <laughs> there's, there's a tent there here there's a tent. <laughs> I, I just thought of like an underground spaceship in the middle of the ice like an x-files the movie uss shelter mm. <laughs> 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 we've stumbled upon that would be easy um, yes it would <laughs>